Do you sometimes feel dissatisfied with your partner? Or even if you're dating, you feel dissatisfied with the dates that you're going on? Today, we're talking about what you can do and what happens when you feel dissatisfied with your partner or in your relationships. If you'd like to find out more about how to improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com and you can take our free argument quiz to discover your arguing style. Welcome to today's podcast and today we're talking about when you feel dissatisfied with your partner. Yes, and this may take uh, many forms. Uh, you may have an experience where you occasionally occasionally feel frustrated with your partner, which of course is quite normal. Or you may be going through this experience where there's a sort of constant level of dissatisfaction, which often then finds expression in constant bickering with your partner about everything, or you feeling like they're never quite offering you what you want or need in your life. Yeah, and I think this can be this can be a major issue for a lot of people. And and it may be that, you know, you start in your relationship and you feel quite happy. Mm. But then as you go through time, you start to find that sort of dissatisfaction creeping in. Mm. And, and that can be a major problem if you don't deal with it. Because, you know, if that dissatisfaction grows over time, then it can lead to the end of a relationship. It could lead to somebody wandering off having, having a relationship with somebody else. It could lead to all sorts of things. Or just leaving you feeling very very unfulfilled over time in your relationship yeah it can it can also lead to this kind of resentment doesn't it that this sort of simmering resentment that um, you can often witness with couples who have been in a relationship for a long time there is this sort of sense that they're not quite in the relationship anymore but they're not quite out of the relationship either and um, and they are engaging uh, in a sort of low-level warfare very often where there, you know, everything that the partner does is not quite good enough. Um, there is this constant sense of, oh, well, I wish, I wish I was, you know, I wish they would do it differently. I wish they were a different person. So a real, um, a really, it's quite a horrible and undermining experience, isn't it? Actually, for both parties concerned, and of course, it's a terrible experience uh, if uh, their children involved and they witness this on a constant, on a on a constant level. They witness their parents' dissatisfaction with each other. Yeah, and it's, it can be really sad to witness. I mean, I've seen lots of clients and also people I've uh, met in day-to-day -day life who you can see they've had this dissatisfaction in relationship for for decades sometimes. Mm. And you think, well, mm. you, know, you've, you only have a certain number of years on this earth to actually stay in a situation or not do some... I'm not talking about... It's not necessarily about not staying, but it's not taking action to do something about it. Mm. I think it's really sad because there's something, there are things that you can do. And I think it's, you know, again, it's either a question of taking action, taking, finding ways forward, steps with, with your partner, mm. because you both need to do something. Mm. Um, or basically it's a question of, you know, is, is this the right relationship? And I think, you know, I think one of the first things for me as well is working out where this dissatisfaction comes from. Is it, well, in a way, all of our feelings come from us. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like all feelings originate within us. Mm -hmm. So that feeling of dissatisfaction is, first of all, if, you, if we experience that, it's our feeling. Mm -hmm. And the question is, you know, what causes this? And I think one of the first things is, 
Is it this relationship or is it just a general feeling that we experience? I think, you know, when you think about if you're in a relationship, do you feel dissatisfied? I'd ask you, is this a is this a regular feeling? Is this a feeling that you're quite familiar with? Maybe in past relationships as well. Mm. So because this could be a pattern that there's something within you that you feel you're looking for and you may target it on the relationship and the other person, but it may be something that's actually within us that we need to kind of explore. That's such a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Because it might be that, uh, you know, often, of course, this kind of level of dissatisfaction is down to a sense of disappointment, a sense of, oh, well, my partner is not quite offering me what I need and they should know by now, they should know what I need. So um, it's, it's often uh, a question of um, unfulfilled wishes, of course. And you are so right in um, starting with that and starting with what is it? Are you clear about this? Are you actually clear uh, in yourself what it is that you need and what, uh, what, you are, what your partner is not offering you? Are you absolutely clear and have you communicated that, for example? Uh, have you made it clear to your partner that some, you know, certain aspects, certain behaviours, certain ways of being are really important for you um, because they show you that your partner loves and cares? Uh, for you yeah and I, I think that's really key and we'll pick up more of that in a moment but I also think it's you know it could but we've talked about attachment styles and also this sense of never really being satisfied could also be an indication that you have an avoidant maybe an avoidant attachment style because yeah. at, at times you know again it may feel that initially things are good but this feeling of dissatisfaction often leads to kind of stepping back from that relationship never feeling it's quite right we talked about in our attachment style podcast how you know there's that story that people who are avoidant may have where uh, or tend to have an avoidant attachment style have where they're looking for the one and nobody else is quite right and again that's the sort of thing when we never feel satisfied maybe this part of us within us that that is almost anxious about getting too close and at certain points it kind of causes us to feel this lack of satisfaction whereas really this is this is something else that's going on that we need to explore yeah and the same is true because it could also the same is true for uh, the other insecure attachment styles because it could also be a manifestation of somebody who's anxious preoccupied because there's always this um, underlying a uh, question for somebody with this uh, type of attachment whether their partner is trustworthy and really there for them do they really love me is the constant question that gets formulated so it could be uh, it could be an anxious preoccupied attachment it could be um, an avoidant dismissing uh, attachment it could be it's an insecure often a, a manifestation you're absolutely right of an insecure attachment isn't it that this sense of that this this hope that you have to have old wounds repaired through your relationship with your partner, um, the desire to to be looked after, nurtured, cared for in a way that you've never experienced maybe in the past. So it, that then creates this uh, dissatisfaction and, and anxiety, underlying anxiety as well about um, not being lovable maybe. Yeah, yeah and, and and as you were saying, the other, you know, not just avoidant, but other anxious attachment styles. Mm. So sort of, um, mm. it could be that that needs to constantly have that your your partner text you. And I've I've, I've experienced this with people I've worked with, where mm. you know somebody 
somebody's um, partner is texting them every 15 minutes because they want to have like a message every I mean, literally every 15 minutes which yeah. is quite extreme yeah. to say that they love them if they don't hear back they don't think that they're loved and this mm. puts a huge pressure on a relationship mm. and how can you feel good enough if if you're not able to like every second of the day send this message mm. uh, and think that then your partner feels very unloved and kind of may get very angry with you afterwards so this it mm. can be a huge challenge yeah and of course we've talked about this before as well the dynamics between um two partners with insecure attachment one who's anxious preoccupied one who's avoiding dismissing and the kind of dynamics that develop there, which is the most common couples uh, presentation when I work with couples in couples therapy. There's usually one uh, who is, uh, both are insecure, one is anxious, one, the other one is avoidant, and they develop a particular dynamic of one chasing and um, one running away, uh, which is often, uh, is, is very common. So um, so I suppose, yeah, so we, we started this conversation about saying that it's important to kind of look at yourself first and what your needs are and, and also what's, what's playing out for you, what is playing out in your dissatisfaction, what is it that is not being answered or addressed by your partner that is really a yearning that you have within yourself or that is an old wound maybe that you carry around with yourself. Because when you can heal that wound, then your needs or your dependency needs on your partner might change, of course. Um, and you might not be quite so quite so reliant maybe on your partner, on the relationship to, uh, to feel comfortable, confident, uh, valued uh, and lovable in life in general. Yeah, absolutely. And so these are some of the attachment issues. And again, we've done a podcast on attachment styles and mm -hmm. we'll probably do another one at some point yeah. in the near future too. So maybe go and listen to that. Mm -hmm. um, but picking up on a point that you made earlier as well is about have you expressed your needs to your partner? Do you, Have you actually mm -hmm. communicated this? And I think one of the first things that I would recommend if we're feeling dissatisfied is first of all, um, and this might sound really challenging and mm. you might mm. question this too. I don't know. But mm. sort of, I think first of all is, is to actually own that dissatisfaction and take responsibility for it to some extent. Yeah. I'm not saying it's your fault. No. However, the only way that you're going to change it is to think, well, what, what's going on here and what can I do about this? Mm. Have you really taken action? And taking action isn't saying to your partner, like, you never do this, you never do that. It's not kind of that sort of what you might be labelled as nagging. And I don't like to kind of put labels on, on words, but, you know, that sort of behaviour. It's about communicating it in a way where your partner will listen and sitting down and doing that. Mm. So it's taking the responsibility for, for taking action, first of all. And I think that's the first step mm. is what have you taken action? What action have you taken? Have you communicated it in a way that your partner is willing to listen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which takes us back to we've done podcasts uh, before on communication, effective communication. How do you communicate your needs to your partner in a way that they can actually take it in, want to take it in and want to respond to? And of course, if it's uh, uh, done in a nagging way, in a blaming way, you know, the shutters will come down. You're not going to go anywhere which will then feed into the, the cycle even further, the cycle of frustration and dissatisfaction. So yeah, so communication, absolutely effective communication. And I think also a point that you made earlier on that um, this needs to start quite early in the relationship, doesn't it? So when you have the opportunity to 
um, to kind of sit down and discuss um, your expectations with your partner, what you need from your partner. If you let your partner know early enough that there is something that you are concerned about, it's not likely to fester to the same extent. Whereas if you don't do that ever, which lots of couples don't because they are scared of what they perceive to be uh, conflictual, they avoid the conflict, they don't talk about it. It goes underground um, and it sits there and festers for a long period of time until it comes out because it can't be contained any longer. And, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, the bubble bursts and... Um, and all the frustrations come out all at once. Um, so, so starting early, so there's something about timing here that's important, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a little bit like the metaphor of, um, say you had a like a tiger that suddenly uh, you found living in your porch or sort of like somewhere somewhere in your house, mm -hmm. and you think, well, I, you know, it's quite small at the moment, but I'm still a bit worried it might eat me. So I'll just give it some food so it doesn't want to eat me. Yes. And you keep doing that. And over the days and weeks, you have to give it more and more food because it's getting bigger and bigger mm. until the point where, you know, you can't feed it anymore. And it probably is going to eat you. It's going to consume you. Mm. So the more you kind of put off dealing with the things when it's little and finding the, the way of actually uh, dealing with that potential problem, mm. the bigger it gets mm. until it becomes unmanageable. Mm. So dealing with things when they're smaller, although that can be really scary too, mm. because, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen early in a relationship. You know, it's what point do we express our needs and wants? Because mm. we don't want to sound, you know, we might, we might be worried about sounding needy. We might be worried about our partner rejecting us. We might be worried about, you know, in, in, in that stage of when we don't know the person so well, mm. that, you know, there's going to be an issue. So we're doing everything we can to try and kind of, have have that relationship stay steady yeah. but sometimes you know we need to address these things because if you're going to be in a long-term relationship you, know, you should find these things out at, at a time that's early enough maybe not on the first day obviously mm -hmm. but yeah. you know when we started to kind of think actually maybe this is going to be a relationship I'd like to have as a committed relationship mm -hmm. it's probably at that point that we want to start exploring those things I think how about you well absolutely and also this is what I think creates connection also mm. it, it creates connection it creates intimacy in the relationship this idea of um, literally into me see yeah this idea of that you you get more access to uh, what goes on in the mind of your partner you get more um, clarity about what you both experience and that creates some intimacy in the relationship connection in the relationship so yeah the earlier the better is uh, absolutely uh, would be my advice but of course well what do you do if you've already been um, together for 20 years and and this is your experience now you're in a relationship with a partner who you do love um, there are a lot of experiences there's a lot of um, there are lots of experiences that bind you together. There might be children that bind you together. So you might not want to uh, exit the relationship, but at the same time, you're deeply unhappy in the relationship as well because it's constant warfare, it's constant disappointment, it's this constant sense of well, we're not really uh, together anymore. What do you do with that? Yes, and thanks for leaving me with uh, trying to respond <laughs> to that. Seeing as she's gone silent, and actually, before we do that, I like—I know it's going back a bit, but you mentioned 
did you say intimacy is into me see? Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a nice sort of way and phrase. I've never heard that before, actually. That's what so that's... My, my old therapist, who was a Gestalt therapist, okay. always used that as an expression. Right. Yeah. So anyway, going back to, you know, if you've been with somebody for that amount of time, and first of all, this is like when the tiger's big. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's big, and it's well, like this it's is gonna, yeah. yeah, this is it's ready to eat you, and <laughs> you know, this is this can be a problem. And first of all, I, I I don't think anything. Well, I don't know if anything's ever totally beyond repair. Maybe sometimes, mm. but I think first of all, again, it's it's going to be more challenging. Mm. And I think first of all, the steps are, you know, what what can you do? And I think mm. one of the biggest things that um, I witness with people is is when they've been in relationships for longer, it becomes more and more difficult in some ways mm. to actually take responsibility and to own your part in this too. It's a big challenge. It's the one challenge, of course, that uh, I always experience when working with couples, that it's, of course, it's because you're so wounded, couples are so wounded, they are so hurt by um, the lack of understanding by their partner or what they perceive to be lack of love by their partner that they always put the finger, uh, point the finger the other way. They do, they engage in this blaming. And and this is, of course, the very thing that's not going to help in this situation. You're so right. I mean, it's about really having the desire to step back and look at what is my contribution to this situation here? How do I maintain this cycle of dissatisfaction? What do I do that is particularly unhelpful in this scenario? What is it that... Um, that I always uh, do or say to my partner that uh, keeps us both in this um, in this very unhappy cycle. So yes, um, I think the, the most important step at that point is absolutely about taking some responsibility, looking at yourself and looking at what you do to, to maintain this situation. If both partners are able to do that, hooray, yeah, hooray, then we can really go a long way. Uh, in trying to sort of find some different ways here um, because both partners then take responsibility and and that uh, can lead to change in the relationship it's not easy but it's possible yeah and I, I think for me and I don't know if, if you'd agree with this but one of the first things is to notice any time you're blaming the other person mm. now in in any interaction we we say things we do things that will have an effect mm. At the same time, is you know we're, we're we're acting according to our own history, as our own experience, our learned behaviours mm-hmm. from from what's happened in the past. But as soon as we start blaming, we we lose any chance to really have some sort of influence in the situation. So when we say you know it's my partner's fault, if they hadn't done this, if they hadn't done that, at that point, the, the, I, I think there's no chance because basically you know we have to think well our partner did this, I responded in this way and I don't like what my partner did and, you know, we need to communicate that. I always have to realise that, you know, just blaming the other person puts me at effect. It puts me in that victim mode, which we've talked about, the drama triangle, again, in another podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think it's when we get into that blaming, we're in that victim mode or it could be the persecutor too, so it can be either, but Mm -hmm. but I think often it's the victim where Mm -hmm. we lose any potential to do anything about it. Yeah. Well, and also I think it's helpful to think about couples as uh, a system. So we have two individuals in the couple, of course, uh, who contribute to creating uh, a system together. Um, and and I think it's really helpful to kind of approach it from that systemic perspective, to think about, you know, what do we both 
do here to maintain this system of dissatisfaction or the frustration in our couple system. If you think about the couple as a sort of circle, whoops, I've touched the microphone. If you did, uh, think about the couple as a circle that you're both in, so what do we do here to keep this circle going? Um, what, what do we, how can we kind of shift this a little bit? Um, uh, so if you, if you, if you, if you think about uh, the relationship as a system, then that also means that you have to take into account what you contribute to the system. You're an element in the system, um, so your contribution matters. It's not just your partner's contribution. Yeah, so every communication is like an arc and a flow, which basically it has an effect on the other person that then subsequently influences how they feel, how they think and what they say. And we can maybe talk about this more in another podcast because I think that might be useful too. So, um, I, so I think some of the key things here as well is, first of all, you know, Deal with things when they're small mm. at first. So I think taking away from today's podcast, yeah, I think that, that's the key. It's like, you know, if you're starting a relationship, when, you know, obviously not too early on, maybe. Although you can talk about, you know, talking about things that are important to you and finding out do the other person's uh, values and needs kind of match some of those. Even in early conversations, you can do without getting too intense mm. and it can be useful. Mm. Um, but dealing with things and even I think actually, you know, going for some couples counselling before you have any issues in relationships can be good. I used to have a friend who was a couples therapist who only worked with people who um, were thinking about getting married or recently got married and didn't have challenges, but they wanted to make sure that they could communicate well. That's and I think that's a great thing to do. Great. Don't just look at therapy as a kind of plaster to deal with the wound that's been made mm. look at it as a way of building resilience in your relationship Absolutely, yeah, so yeah. great foundation so i think yeah i think i think that's really key and then the next things are you know taking responsibility mm. so looking at what can i do to change what can i do to communicate things better mm. and also another thing we didn't mention which is first of all you have to be clear about actually what you want mm -hmm. Because, uh, yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not clear about what you want, then how can you ask your partner to help you with it? Yeah. And that's true. That's often a, a challenge as well, isn't it? For lots of people to actually be quite clear about what uh, what the wants and needs are. Yeah, they need to be clarified. Yeah. And it, it may take a long time. You know, you might find if you think, well, what do I want? Mm -hmm. You might really struggle to actually answer that anyway. You may have to have, go to speak to somebody else to help kind of find that out. Mm -hmm. And that can take your time. Because um, sometimes what we really want, we're not even conscious of. It's at an unconscious level. So that can be challenging. But yeah, exactly. Because there's always here something about sort of dashed hopes, isn't there, in every relationship. But whenever couples engage in this kind of warfare or in this resentment, it is all about broken dreams, isn't it? It's about this dream of having, uh, finding someone who can give you everything that you need in life. That's usually what's at stake here. And then the huge disappointment when your partner doesn't want to or doesn't do what you want them to do yeah yeah absolutely uh, and then you know from that finding a way to communicate effectively with your partner mm. what these things are and finding a way forwards together and dealing with things before they get too big because mm. as we spoke about it, it when things get big it's much more difficult to challenge and when things get bigger there's more blame. Mm. So anytime you're saying, well, they did this, it's because of what they did. If they hadn't done this, mm. you lose any potential to actually change. And it's taking responsibility. And it's not easy to do because, you know, sometimes we want to blame. And, and there are some times that maybe 
you know, it's appropriate to blame. Like, if we're in an abusive relationship, then yes, absolutely, that's part of kind of mm. moving beyond that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, just to yeah. be really clear, I mean, if you're in an abusive relationship, if you have a partner who is controlling, was putting you down, who is physically or verbally violent, then get out. That's the only, that's really the best thing that you can do. And I know, it, uh, having said that, that's not an easy thing either. And we've talked about this uh, again in a previous podcast, why it's difficult to exit uh, an abusive relationship. But yeah, I mean, in, in this kind of scenario, it's not about fixing. Um, it really is about um, keeping yourself safe. Yeah, that's always, of course, the, the major, um, what's the word? The, the, that needs to be guaranteed. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be the first thing in place. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think above all, just doing what you can to make the changes and knowing that, you know, some of these things may come from you and not your partner, even if it feels like it's your partner. Mm. Um, so and just before we finish the podcast, because we've recently got a new setup where we've got better microphones to make the sound even. And uh, I realised that I forgot to press record on the sound thing. So you can blame me for that in a minute. Okay, yeah, but the sound, right. the sound, so the sound might not be as good as some of the uh, <laughs> like last podcast and the next one. Um, but we'll have it back on for the next time. Um, but hopefully you've got things you can take away from today and um, we'll speak to you again next week. Hope you look forward to speaking with you next week. Take good care until then. Bye. Bye.